Hey guys, welcome back to the Edgy Conversations podcast. This is Dan Walchman. I am, I'm so excited to be back with you. I've been thinking about a couple things since I've been away. And I know I record these podcasts usually a, a day or two before they air, uh, just so my, my team doesn't go crazy trying to keep up with craziness that I do last minute. Regardless, I've been gone for about four or five days. I haven't been able to be in front of the microphone to share a, a podcast episode with you. And so I'm back. I'm back. I uh, was in Dubai doing um, some speaking. I was blown away by my experience there. And I wanted to share a few insights and thoughts with you from that experience. And um, it ties right into relationships. Uh, I got a call probably two weeks ago from a friend of mine in uh, Russia who I did some events with. In fact, one of the largest private equity banks and Russia asked me to come and speak some time ago. And it was fun. It was a great experience. It's a little nerve-wracking. You're going to a new place, new people. There are all kinds of craziness that you that you run into just because it's new and fresh, right? And it's it's just different that way. So he calls me and says, Hey, listen, we 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 need you. I know it's last minute. Can you arrange your schedule to come and see us? Well, I knew I had, you know, some tra- some travel coming up. I'm actually traveling for the next three weeks uh, with, with different speaking engagements and events going on. But uh, I knew I had some openings, so I said, sure, be, de- be delighted to come and, and hang with all of you in Dubai. It's about 25, 26-hour total travel time there. The largest flight's about 13 hours. Yeah, it's a, it's a trip. <laughs> um, then you, you land, um, you know, and it's beautiful. I you know, had you know, you know beautiful car show up to, to drive me to uh, another very, very beautiful hotel staying in like a presidential suite where, you know, I, I don't need all the bath extra bathrooms and, and, and living rooms. And, and some of you saw my Facebook live. So you saw a little bit of that process, but let's get to the relationships. So all of that I'm settled in. I went the first day I was there, I went down to meet with the team who was there and they all spoke Russian. They spoke four or five words of English, six words, 10 words of English, but really all spoke Russian. In the back of my head, I was thinking, oh gosh, what did I get? You know, what, what happened? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I mean, the thoughts that were going through my head were, you know, I've traveled all this way. I'm here now and I can't even eloquently speak to the people that I need to speak with. So in my head, I was thinking, this is going to be a disaster. At the same time, I am eight hours ahead of some of my team, 10 hours ahead of some of my other teams. So almost a full half day ahead of my team, my speaking team, all the, all the people I need to, 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 to be in contact with. So when I left that first meeting, I was thinking, whew, this may not go as well as I think it should be. And then my second thought uh, was uh, trying to reframe that. Thought you know these people uh, don't know me. Most of them are not part of the edgy community. They don't know what I stand for, what I do, and how I could potentially help them. They don't know anything about me. So what could I do if I were to bring a message, considering these new rules or considering the new obstacles I have in my way? What could I do to help build a relationship with these people? First off, I knew I had to leave any bit of jargon out of my conversation, meaning some of the words, I mean, I wanted to use the word awesome, but I 
didn't necessarily know how to say the word edgy and get people to understand it, right? It's just that's a that's a word that if you you understand it's an acronym, what it stands for. But even my book, which is translated into Russian, is is not titled Edgy Conversations. It's entitled Have Your Be Your Best Life. Right. It's even slightly different just to 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 kind of appeal to that audience. I called Shannon, who runs my speaking, <laughs> and just said, Oh no, here's what I have going on. And I didn't really call her for advice. Um, it was more just like talking things through. Uh, not, I mean, she has great advice. It's nothing negative. It's just, I wanted to think about what I was going to do. I went back to my room after talking to Shannon for 15, 20 minutes. And I realized I have to keep this really simple. Uh, I have to keep uh, knowing that I would have a translator there who I would say a sentence, they would say a sentence, I would say a sentence, they would say a sentence, something like that. I had to keep this really simple. I, there's no room to be witty. There's no room even to tell uh, jokes that are long, <laughs> right? Everything has to be short and punchy and powerful and it has to transcend language, <clears throat> it has to transcend somebody even screwing up translation. Like, I have to change all of this. And that's where something special really, be, you know, started to happen. Where I was frustrated a few minutes before, all of a sudden I realized that this was an opportunity to rethink all of the phrases and jokes and hang lines uh, that I had been preparing or delivering to audiences all over the world for, for so long. See, what happens when you're a speaker, and especially when you work really hard at it, is you develop material, and then you hone that material and hone it, and then you'll say something that's slightly different, and you'll say, oh, I like that. You'll add it to your next speech. And then you'll refine that even further. And over time, you get pretty set in your ways. You'll never hear the same speech from me more than more than once, but you'll hear different jokes. You'll, you, excuse me, you'll hear the same joke, perhaps. You'll hear the same illustration because, you know, if it worked in one audience and and it, and it created a, a you know great environment, I obviously I'm dumb if I, if I don't try to bring some of that magic uh, elsewhere. So. This was an opportunity to start fresh. And so I thought, what could I do to transcend language? I really came away with a couple lessons from my experience. Number one, I realized that regardless of language, we're all looking for inspiration. Whether you speak English or not, whether you speak edgy or not, all of us are looking for that next edge in our lives. Um, all of us. And that was really clear from the start. I got introduced, people are introducing me, and I've got my bio, right? All the stuff that my team has prepared for me. And they had my bio and everything ready. And, you know, they're introducing me. This is how funny it is. I don't even know when they're ready for me to come on stage, except that people are clapping and shouting. And of course, that must mean it's time for me to go up. <laughs> so I go up on stage. And uh, one of the things I, I often do is, 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 uh, to, t to challenge people to be awesome. And so when the crowd sat down, I told them to stand back up, grab a few people around them, fist bump them and tell them that you're awesome. And then because I needed to build a relationship with this crowd quickly, I thought, what could I do to get them to know that I care? And so I grabbed my phone and began to grab, take some selfies with me, with the crowd. And of course, people are jumping in and, you know, jumping into the pictures. Oh, come over here, come over here, waving. And and I could see, okay, I'm starting to win this crowd over. And for those of you who've, who've, who've spoken in front of a crowd, you know 
that the most important job you have and also the hardest job you have combined together is to get the audience to come along with you, to trust you, to believe you, to want to be there and to hold on as you bring them to some conclusions that might not, 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 not be comfortable, right? You're going to tell them to do some hard things. And so this is a two-way street now. The more confident they are in me, now the more confident I am in me. <laughs> I'm now feeling like, wow, this is going to be hard, but I can do it. And so I got back on, on stage after taking a few selfies. Music is still playing. People are excited. Told them to sit back down and then jumped into uh, my presentation. Had to compress the stories, had to condense all the material. I think several times throughout the, the speech, I, I told people to stand back up and remember that first moment of fist bumping. At the very end of my speech, one of the, one of the things that I've, that I've, that I've uh, had a lot of fun with is a clip that I play from the movie 300. Very, very short, two or three minute clips. And it talks about the importance of, well, what your job is. According to the movie, the Spartans head on their way, the 300s head out on their way to the battle. And on their way, they, in, they encounter another army on the, headed to the same battle. And the king of the, of the other army, he's upset. He says to King Leonidas, I thought you were serious about going into battle. Instead, you've only brought these few men. And Leonidas looks at, if you know this part of the movie already and how cool it is, he looks at the other king and he says, yes, you've brought more men than I, but let me ask a question. And he asks, he says, young man, what is your profession? And he says, I'm a potter. He says, young man, what do you do? He says, I'm a woodworker. And he points to a few different people and he gives them their jobs. And he looks back at his own man and he says, Spartans, what is our profession? And they all go, hooah, 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 hooah. <laughs> and then Leonidas looks back at the other king and he says, so you see, I have actually brought more men with me. Making the point that it's not about the, the quantity <laughs> of bodies in a battle that makes you successful. It is, it is ultimately... Ultimately, the you know, size of the dog in the fight, that's what it is. It's the size of the fight in the dog. I think I got that phrase mixed up, but you get what I'm saying. It's about the spirit. It's about the quality. And if your profession is to be awesome, if your goal is to be awesome, and that's what moves you, then you're well on your way to being successful. And I could see, even as my lines, I'm sure, were translated <laughs> you know, somewhat out of whack, uh, when I was done, I spoke to a few people who spoke English. Uh, in the audience. So out of the hundreds that were there, maybe, you know, 20 or so spoke English well. And they, of course they come up. Uh, I said, how did the translation go? And said, oh, mostly good, mostly good. Some things they, they did not get said well, but uh, even sometimes I would say something and the translator would look at me and I would go, oh, okay. I need to re-say that a slightly different way. But despite all of that, I, I saw this real craving for inspiration. And that, what that taught me was here I'm an American in Dubai speaking to a, a lot of Russians, Filipinos, people from Chinese from Hong Kong, uh, people from all over the world who had come to this event. And I'm speaking to them in my language, being translated into Russian for them. And yet, despite what stereotypes we may say or you know what pictures you may have in your mind about what these people want, they really want inspiration. They do. All of us do. You know, sometimes you, you might get in the heat of the moment. You might someone say to you, oh, leave that foo-foo, fluff-fluff stuff away from me. I just want real, real stuff. I don't want all of your fluff. 
And this answer is, I disagree, is that your boss is looking for inspiration. If you have an employees, they're looking for inspiration. Your people, your team, your community, your church, everybody around you is looking for that extra lightning bolt. Why should they get out of bed one more day? Why should they do what you want them to do? What is so audacious, so grand, so incredibly stimulating that they would you know, jump through hoops in order to be a part of the awesomeness that you have to deliver? So remember that, regardless of language, regardless of location, people are looking for inspiration, that spark, that extra something. And if you can't get someone to change their mind, if you can't get persuade someone to move, it might not be that you need more logic. It might be that you need more inspiration, right? You need more hard-hitting, deeply personal takes on performance. That's what you need. We're all looking for that extra edge. That, that's one lesson. Lesson number two is when I was done, I spent, oh, an hour and a half. The, by the way, the comp, I spoke from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. It was a two-hour keynote, which is, um, that's no easy feat <laughs> to deliver good material for two hours. I mean, even stand-up com- comedians maybe have an hour, right? <laughs> so that's a job all by itself. But number two, I spent an hour and a half afterwards. I was mobbed by people looking for pictures. I'll put some of the pictures up on Facebook. But there were literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, all of them wanting a picture. And um, the second thing I learned was that uh, people want to feel special. They just don't want to feel inspired. They want to feel special. And after I deliver a speech, I feel like given all I can give. Uh, Emotionally, that's it, right? It's it's, it's, You have it. It's in my heart. It's in my head. I've delivered it to you. You have it. But I saw something instantaneous that I couldn't just go back to my room uh, get a get a cup of juice, get some water. I had to I had to stick around and 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 show love. And so I shook hands and put my arms around people and took selfies. And as long as it took, it was it was hours uh, of taking pictures and giving out my phone number, giving out my WhatsApp to people one by one by one. Still on Instagram and Facebook, people are commenting and making notes and sending me kind messages from that. And so people want to feel special. Relationships matter, not just that they're inspired, but that they're, they feel special. And the last thing I would say about the whole thing is this, is it require, relationships require investment, investment. So if you think about it, it's, it's insane to travel 48 hours, you know, 24 hours one way, 24 hours the other way, to do a speech that's two hours. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's pretty crazy if you look at it just on a spreadsheet, just logically. But it's when we dig deep, when you dig deep, it's when you do things that are uncomfortable and not necessarily fun, that's when you realize some of your greatest lessons. I have to tell you, uh, this event I just did, and, and I do quite a few events, uh, might have been one of the most fun I've done in two or three years. And, and that's not besmirching any of the other people that I've, I've spoken to or for here recently. All of you, I love you. I've had so much fun. But this was unique, and maybe it was only unique to me because I was so far out of my comfort zone that I had to rethink everything. And along the way of rethinking everything, I stumbled into some lessons that really made a profound and positive impact on my life. So 
I'm going to leave you with this. Remember, your relationships, they require you to make them special. Your relationships want inspiration. And it's going to require a little bit of investment from you. If you're going to do those three things, you'll set yourself up for some opportunities that will blow your mind.